You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. We would like to acknowledge that we live, breathe and broadcast on unceded Kulin land where settler colonial violence is purposeful and ongoing. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and for their ongoing care and custodianship of these lands and waters. It always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. For the following and final hour of 3CR's Disability Day 2022 special broadcast, you'll hear a conversation between myself, Karina Edo Aguilera, and my special guest, Shai, who's also known in the music scene as Swanbird, Swanny B. We're going to talk all about neurodiversity, uh, hopefully with a bit more nuance than listeners might hear in the mainstream, both in subject matter, uh, but also delivery, because let's be real, we can both be pretty turbo. I'm also really excited to say that Shai's brought in some of her music to play throughout, including a couple of unreleased tracks from her upcoming album, which is which is great. Also just wanted to let listeners know that there will be some swears over the next hour and also some heavy themes, um, seeing as we'll be having an in-depth discussion of mental illness, uh, describing psychosis. We talk about death and transphobia and in some of her songs as well, but we'll definitely be giving you a heads up when that time comes. Welcome to the 3CR studio, Shai. Yo. <laughs> so we decided to name this program Hard Out. Yes. Um, for listeners that don't know, Hard Out, I guess, how would you say? It's like an agreement, like a hard... Yeah, we sort of like, we agreed that it would be Hard Out. Like hard we, Out. We, we weren't going we to censor the experiences of disability in relation to neurodivergence or mental illness or whatever, you know? Yeah. We were going to go in. It was going to be hard out. It also is like, you know, when people say yes, they're like, yeah, hard. Like, yeah, yeah, hard. That's like, something I, I say a lot. I feel like that's a way a lot of our conversations go as well as the time goes on and the volume increases. <laughs> but also something that I hadn't considered that was brought up to me the other day by a friend, um, a hard out in broadcasting has its own definition. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. It says... A sudden and inflexible ending of material in a bulletin, usually determined by a fixed-length pre-recorded segment or a pre-programmed computer event. And that's the show, everybody. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, like, in other words, that's like no outro. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, literally. literally. And cut. Um, I thought you might appreciate that one. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I feel like that's kind of the way our brains work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess jumping right in, uh, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so my name's Shy. I go by the rap moniker Swanny B or Swanbird. I'm a trans woman. I'm nearly 32 years old and I've been living with neurodivergence and uh, severe mental health issues for my entire life. Um, I have a diagnosis of schizophrenia that I got at the age of 20 that was preceded by a four-year-long, very severe, florid psychotic episode. I got diagnosed with ADHD at around the age of 9 or 10. And yeah, I've got complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And, uh, you know, just I've, I've suffered major depressive disorder, um, all of which just kind of melds into a pot of relatively harrowing life experience that requires a lot of therapy <laughs> so yeah that's 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 my history with disability yeah i express a lot of that through music 
and I sort of use music as a cathartic experience, but also it's my passion. So, yeah, absolutely. And like as you were listing all of that stuff off, it brought up to me like in in my mind like you're right. It's 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 not like one plus one equals two, right? It all adds up to an experience, which is your life. Precisely. But the way that people have learned to talk about them are by by ticking these boxes, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all uh, very compartmentalized into these little boxes, you know, like. Uh, I don't just have um, ADHD, schizophrenia, CPTSD, and a history of major depressive disorder, which through therapy I have actually pretty much mitigated the diagnosis of. Uh, that was a lot of it was relating to my PTSD that I was so depressed. And I don't get random depressive episodes anymore, which are just like spontaneously, you know, like, oh, you should die. You know, <laughs> I, don't, mm. I don't get that anymore. You know, now I, um, it's only circumstantial. So if something's really bad, in my life, then I kind of dive. Um, but yeah, uh, the combination, all of those, like, or, you know, like not that they're not complicated in and of themselves, but together they, 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 they make a very complicated experience, which you can't just list as diagnoses, you know? Exactly. Um, for me, as far as I know, I've only been, di- I've only been diagnosed with ADHD mm. and I hate that I proceed that with only as well. Yeah. See, that's, that's, there's, there's no, there's no, de- like, don't delegitimize your lived experience of disability, you know? Yeah. You can't just say I've just got ADHD when ADHD can be horrifically debilitating at times. And does I mean? People don't, people don't acknowledge that. And as you say, because of the life experience of having it uh, like undiagnosed mm. for a long time or not recognized as legitimate by not only like people that you encounter in day-to-day life, but also by a system that requires you to prove how bad your life is by ticking those same boxes, by, by listing things off and by spending hundreds of dollars on going to see a psych so that they oh. can say, yes, you're experiencing something that you already know you've experienced for your whole <laughs> yeah. life. That. <laughs> um, or that you don't know. You know, there's, there's that factor too. Like, I think, um, especially in the context of schizophrenia, uh, my experience with psychosis was not something I understood as a mental illness, you know. I had no idea what was going on. I was, I was, <laughs> I was not here <laughs> to put it to put it very lightly. Yeah, and and yeah, I guess sometimes you have to have someone explain that to you, you as well. You have to have someone like draw it out for you, but also like my diagnostic experience with schizophrenia was not fun. It was really hard. Um, I contested my diagnosis. Yeah. And then I had to go before a board of psychiatrists who all said, sorry, you can't contest this diagnosis because you're nuts. And they put me on a community treatment order where I had to be supervised taking medication and made sure that I did that. Or I would have had to have a nurse come to my house and give me a needle mm. with the antipsychotic in it once a month. And uh, if I didn't comply with that, then they would have given me an ITO, which is where I go into hospital and they stick me once a month and I comply until I'm better. That sounds like such an awful experience and no choice, no choice in it. 
Yeah. Um, no, no agency and having that taken away would have, yeah, like you said, been so traumatizing in itself. Mm. Um, in regards to, I mean, the way, the way you kind of introduce yourself is like, this is my experience with disability. You know, I have schizophrenia in between that time and now what what did the kind of road or journey sort of look like to coming to this place of acceptance? Was there a moment or was it just like... No. <laughs> it's been long and hard. Um, so when I got diagnosed at 20, as I said, I, I rejected my diagnosis because I was so sick that I couldn't believe that the world wasn't conspiring to destroy me through yet another thing. And, you know, I got put in the community treatment order, for, which which for all this traumatizing experience and uh, the shit time it was, it actually helped me get back to health. I had to take medication. I couldn't refuse to take medication and medication stabilized me. The hardest part for the first few years was like touching grass, like realizing that I was in reality again, you know, like trying to make sure that I was in touch with the here and now and that, you know, the table is something that I can touch and feel and that it's that is the actual reality it's not wool pulled over my eyes by satan so that i (laughs) i i I can live out another life you know um really really strange and hard experience i also had a developmental delay as a result of doing too many drugs as a kid and um also you know like having schizophrenia for four years from 16 to 20 um or a psychotic episode rather um which all kind of delayed my development a little. And uh, I found myself, yeah, kind of being a bit of like a 16-year-old at the age of 22, which took a while to come back. You know, the emotional development and the maturity and the adulthood was late coming for me. Um, I think it was about 26 years old. I kind of went, wow, I'm actually an adult alive doing adult things. I'm I'm a big girl, yeah. <laughs> you know, and had that had that real shocking realization that I was, yeah, I was actually an adult and I was actually living life, you know, amongst being addicted to drugs and all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, I've 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 had a really long history with the substance use and abuse and misuse and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, to get to the point where I am now, where I accept. My mental health parameters and like my, my, my boundaries and my limits and I accept where I'm at as a human being and the fact that I have to live with ADHD, I have to live with schizophrenia, I have to live with CPTSD. All of those things are all kind of, they're fine now, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had 12 years to figure it out and, and the last few years have been really strong for me in, in that. Yeah. The first thing that struck me when I met you was that you don't feel the need to explain yourself to anybody. And I think that's really important as well. Like, you know, for listeners who might not know that even with people who are medicated under ADHD, there are elevated statistical uses of things like alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, all of these things people might not understand that it's actually not an active choice. Mm. You don't wake up in the morning and go, all right, cool, I'm just going to ruin my lungs for the day <laughs> and punch darts all day, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't wake up one time at the age of 17 and say, I'm going to get really addicted to something, you know, because mm. I've got ADHD. Like, there's, there's causes for that. Yeah. You know? 
And I guess where I was going with that was also something I really appreciate about you is like you're at you're at the point where you're here like with me chatting yeah. about it and it's yeah. like I don't need to explain that that just is yeah yeah, yeah. it is I'm, what I'm it is I'm pretty no apologies hey yeah like I I don't um I don't pretend to be something I'm not and I don't apologize for what I am I actually think that's a really good point to go into your first track yeah sure yep so the first track is called uh, they came from inside my head slash house of fear. Um, featuring Scorpion King, shouts out Daz. Yeah, so it was a track off my first album as Swanberg would uprooted. I had shifted my voice quite severely so that I didn't have this sense of gender dysphoria around it. I've since just got over it. Like, I don't care about my voice. I'm a trans woman. Like, people are going to look at me funny no matter what. It doesn't matter about my voice anymore. Um, yeah, so it kind of goes into some some content related to schizophrenia um on the first half and it's got a bit of a switch up and then yeah homie scorpion king comes out with it with a feature verse it i think it's an interesting track yeah that's about it <laughs> also just a content warning there will be some swears in the song i think so yeah yeah <laughs> so this is they came from inside my head slash house of fear by my special guest today, Swanbird, featuring Scorpion King. They came from inside my head. Who? The voices that almost saw me dead. There's countless times I've said it, but nothing's quite like having schizophrenia for dread. I'm really fucking mentally ill I'm incurable, spend my life with medical bills But as long as my peripheral vision sits still I'm willing to swallow a daily pill Didn't know your girl was nuts as fuck That's real tough luck, shoulda chucked it up More often than I did on Facebook So you could look at me with weird pity and shit The brain has more power than you can imagine There's nothing I can say that can share the magic Being harrowingly tortured by something ancient And that just be tactile hallucinations Was it? I almost tapped out of life While living with such a brutal strife It's okay, I'm stable at least for the moment If I keep up my meds the moment won't be over my mind has been occupied Voices. with conversation from multiple sides Except every party seems to have a brain of their own And I just gotta give up and endure my don't I'm not okay but I live every day And haven't stopped doing that so I guess go me, yay Yay! Fuck being sick, being paranoid and scared can eat a bag of dicks if you feel these rhymes are sad and unsettling, perhaps extend a modicum of empathy to anyone who has to live with shit you couldn't understand if your life depended on it. Throw them at the boys and throw up some fists 
Centrifugal force will block the bits. Prince of darkness, baby, I'll ascend these pits. Enamored by this fertile taste. Resting embryonic state. State. Emulate, stipulate, and agitate. Why be queer when you could be straight? Why be queer when you could be straight? Why? Why would you? You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Uh, This is the 12-hour Disability Day 2022 special broadcast. I'm here in the studio with Shai, who's bringing us some of her music. And we're just having some neurodivergent chats, I think. Um, So before that track, we were kind of discussing the personal side of experiencing neurodiversity and and there's definitely elements to you know how you survive in everyday life and the theme of this year's disability day broadcast is rest is survival i know with some disorders or mental illnesses there is its own kind of special flavor of how you might rest or how you might want to rest does that kind of mean anything to you? Yeah, look, it absolutely does. Um, so I guess something I want to acknowledge is that, like, while I'm here talking about schizophrenia and ADHD and CPTSD, um, a lot of people might be saying, oh, you know, those are, like, mental illnesses or they're mental disorders or they're, they're strange and abstracted from what disability might mean. Mm. Um, and I guess, like, to segue into how REST works uniquely for individuals... I guess I'd like to acknowledge that these are all, like, invisible disabilities. These are all disabilities. People don't want to... People always lump mental illness and disability apart or neurodivergence away from severe disability or whatever, you know? And it's... I find that really frustrating because they are disabling experiences of, you know, the human mind and body. And I guess rest is different for everybody under every disability, you know? So, like... For me, for instance, I, I'm i not good at spending time alone. I don't relax alone. That's not something I can do um, because I am plagued by uh, disembodied voices <laughs> and uh, mental hijacking and telepathic communication, which all isn't real but is real for me and something I have to deal with uh, on a day-to-day basis. And I don't really you know, enjoy not having social interaction to cover that, distract from it, to to push it out of my brain. So I need to be in human company pretty much 24-7. Um, when it comes to, like, you know, ADHD and stuff too, like, I I rest and relax making music. You know, I, I, I recuperate by busying myself with things that I am passionate about and enjoy. That is my rest time. But by the same token, you know, as rest is survival, the pressures of keeping up with things which aren't explicitly rest offset your ability to rest and everything becomes more difficult, you know? I guess is what I'd get at, yeah. Yeah, and I guess disability is defined for most people in a, in a lack of an ability and it's and it's usually just because the world's not set up for you, you know? Absolutely. It's not- it's it's not it's not that you're unable to do your shit. It's yeah. that you're unable to do your shit here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's like uh, 
<laughs> you've really you've you've made the the biggest point I was going to make today, which is that I'm only and a lot of people are only so disabled as they are because the world's fucking them. Like yep. the world's making sure that they cannot function comfortably within it despite their ailments, despite their disadvantages. You know? Like uh it's great to have wheelchair ramps or sidewalks, but when people park e scooters in the middle of them because they're fucking lazy, suddenly they're not functional anymore, you know? Like it's a complete disregard for the fact that maybe someone out there might need you to take consideration for them. Or it's like it's not building disability ramps, it's making venues accessible. It's like as a musician, that's one that gets me. It's using strobe lights when people yeah. are epileptic all over the place. And it, it affects people who are photosensitive for other reasons or even aren't photosensitive. There's nothing worse than being on stage and the lighting guy decides to press the strobe button and suddenly you can't see your instrument and you've got a headache. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, and when you say all of that stuff as well, it just occurs to me too is like all of that is so heavily tied up in this bureaucratic box-ticking crap that actually yeah. has nothing to do with real life. Like, you know, <laughs> you, can say, you can say you're doing a great initiative by giving live venues money to put in disability access, but once they've got the frickin' ramp, do they have they considered anything the hell else? Like, are their bathrooms accessible? No. Are yeah, the, yeah. you know, like what, the strobe thing is really really intense as well. I went to a show recently that my friend got free tickets to, um, and the supporting artist was Al Carlson, who is very open about having epilepsy, and very specifically talks about those things mm. and then the headliner was just like almost all strobe and oh my god and it was like okay cool like no yeah i went to a i went to a show back in adelaide because i i'm i'm from adelaide i originally grew up there and i moved here uh, a little over a year ago but yeah i uh i had this really visceral experience of this band who i won't name just for posterity's sake <laughs> um uh who we had a discussion with beforehand about how my partner was, at the time, was photosensitive and that it would be really, you know, how we hate strobes and it'd be really rude for someone to use them. So you never guess what they did during their set. They blasted strobes at the highest speed they could for the entire set and cleared the room. Mm-hmm. And no one could watch them. And I was a supporting act and I felt pretty bad about that. Having my partner there and us both unable to watch it. Yeah. You know that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. That's the that thing sucks. as well. It doesn't. It doesn't need like for certain things. It doesn't need all this money thrown at it either. It's just like called being a decent human being. But everyone feels like they're stuck in this kind of invisible box, you know, because when you go into Centrelink or whatever, the person's like, "Oh no, that's above me. I can't do that." And it's like, okay, well, who makes that choice? Yeah, you know, having consideration. And human empathy for people is much more important than having money for infrastructure. Because if we had the, we have the consideration and human empathy, then we wouldn't have to worry about money for infrastructure. It'd already be there. Yeah, I guess the way I think about it as well is, in terms of supports, ideally, in my mind, it would be like I have my community that are all able to support each other in whatever capacity that they can. Yeah. But on an individual level, 
we are all forced, right, to not only, you know, make the money to try not to be, you know, freaking homeless, a roof over our head, food, these basic human rights, but also the way that, like, the government frames something like welfare, you know, social security, it should be a basic human right. Mm -hmm. There was a freaking, there was a headline in The Australian last week that, what did they say? It was like, Disability, a $17 billion burden Ooh. was like the one on the front <laughs> Shit, of... Sorry. Yeah, on the front. You know those freaking milk yeah, bar ones? Yeah, 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 on yeah. the front of that. And it's like, one, that is dehumanizing is all fuck. Yeah, that's atrocious. It's it's like you can't... But then it's like, well, it's not... <sighs> It's not even the experience. I mean, but, I I'm on I'm on Centrelink. I I'm on I'm on Job Seeker. I, I that's my thing that I'm on that supplements my income. Um, and the amount of hoops you have to jump through to get paid a tiny amount, which is well below the freaking poverty line, it's not accessible to neurotypical people, let alone oh, let alone not. anyone else. Yeah, I mean, like, look, what <laughs> what is neoliberal late capitalism except for individualized separation of people from people and just like a productivity based analysis of every human being like if you cannot perform to a standard which is uh helping someone make a profit mm. if, if if you are not a profitable asset in the eyes of capitalism you are dehumanized and for people with disability that's pretty much all of us. <laughs> so, you know, we're like, we, you know, we're all knocked a few rungs down on the capitalism ladder of uh, social hierarchy. And it's, it's shit. <laughs> it's so shit. And it's yeah. a line. It's not, it's not real. Nah, it's not real. Wait, <laughs> it's only as real as it's been enforced to be. Yeah. You know, it, it is real. Like, we have to live it. You have to acknowledge that. It's real. But, it's it's a fallacy for sure, you know? That's a really good point. We have to live it, but it's also like we don't have to live it. If we change something, we would not have to live it. But it's about, you know, community power and making that change, which, again, you know, like if you want to if you want to make big change and you need to be on the front line of activism constantly, like a bunch of disabled people gathering together to get front line of activism constantly is going to result in mass burnout. And then we're not even productive for ourselves. You know, like we have to think about, yeah, we need allyship. We need, we need to have these discussions. We need to, we need to push this stuff, you know? I agree. And. We need some accomplices. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a, a thing of like, it does, it comes back to that rest thing, but like, how are we allowed to rest? You know? Yeah. Well, you either have to fight for your rights or fight to live and there's no time to rest in between that. Or find a really good doctor that can give you the proper Centrelink medical certificate that will exempt you from mutual obligations for three months so that, you yeah. know, yeah. so that you don't have to spend 40 hours a week doing Absolutely. activities. Absolutely. And that's nice. Um, but also, like, you know, you'd think, you'd think DSP would win you disability support pension. Would win you the ability to rest a little more? But they they do just as much, like, <laughs> they give you a participation plan and make you find work before the age of 35. 
I remember someone I did work for the doll with a while ago who had really bad scoliosis and was Mm. still having to put in some work hours at the time through the work for the doll program. And the only way that he was able to get that like money was through the one program that we had doing, you know, some op shop back end work sort of thing where he was required (laughs) to lift like more than 20 kgs and it was like, well, oh, is that the is that the <laughs> that's a good consideration of someone's uh yeah <laughs> is that the Disability. job you're forcing on me yeah <laughs> no choice oh that's disgusting um, but yeah. yeah yeah I think it's a good time to go into a song yeah yeah let's do that seeing as we both just uh, looked at each other and went uh. <laughs> <laughs> so if listeners are just tuning in with us now. This program's entitled Hard Out as a part of 3CR's 2022 Disability Day special broadcast. Uh, my name's Karina. I'm here in the studio with Shy, uh, also goes by the rap name Swanbird. We're talking a little bit about life, a little bit about music. Shy's also brought us in a bunch of her music to play as a special treat just for today, including some unreleased tracks. So, super exciting. So, the next song coming up is called Emergency. Yes. So, this song is... Uh, it's like the last song, but ramped up to like 11. It's it's a recounting of the really, really, really difficult and harrowing experiences I had living in psychosis for four years up to the diagnosis of my schizophrenia. Yeah, it's hard to listen to for me. Like, it's, eh, yeah, I'm glad the mic will be off, because <laughs> I have trouble with this song. But um, I would, yeah, I would suggest that, like, if you haven't had the experience of schizophrenia, you give it a listen. If you have, I would, like, approach with caution. It's very, very explicit. The song also contains some violent themes and swear words. It's a very heavy content warning for that one, Yeah. for yourself even. Yeah, so well, for me, and for people with lived yep. experience of psychosis. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Shai. This is Emergency by Swanbird. It starts like this. Like this. It's slow, not quick. Creeping and insidious. You begin to stop trusting your wits. Things start lining up in weird ways. Spend your days all dazed. Looking for answers, frenzied and framed. You don't know you're going crazy. First it's a hint, it's something there. You seek it and hunt even though it should scare you. Then it feels like you're caught in a dare. Eventually it'll be perpetually unfair. One day you'll hear a word coming not from a mouth but from a place absurd. A mind telepathic that can be heard and hear you no matter how hard you spurn it. All of a sudden it's everyone. The words you say come out sounding dumb Cause you're answering something upstairs instead And people pretend not to hear what you said You start getting angry when they lie You fuckers know we can all read minds Why fucking pretend you can't when you're not high Don't leave me here alone to die You're a fucking walking emergency Get out of the city or we'll make you bleed If you fucking come back, we'll smash your teeth Put you in hospital, you mental freak 
but you keep going back to town. Your head's all warped and always confounded, even when there's risk of harm to be found. You're too far gone now, you're too far gone now. I can't fucking help it! You all don't fucking get it! I'm a messiah and demon and god! And you're all supposed to be with me, I thought! You're pretending like I didn't wake your powers! You're throwing me away like dead flowers! And I came here to make you guys legend and you all fucking hate me and want me dead! Let it end. Take your pills. It'll fade then. It'll fade then. Let it end. Take your pills. It'll fade then. It'll fade then. Wow, that was intense and yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I, it speaks for itself, really. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of rap music as well. You don't need to explain too much because, you know, you can fit a lot of words into a couple of bars. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty transparent. My, I've done less transparent stuff, but this track is, that track was, yeah, incredibly transparent. And the way you were speaking about music before in the intro as well is like, it's it's something that, that people might consider the special interest of your ADHD. It's how you rest, it's how you recuperate, you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you and you produce all of your own tracks as well? Yeah, I do everything. Um, I'm not the best at it, but I do my... I, I give it my best. I'm a bit of a bedroom producer, but I give it a red-hot go. That's the best way to do it. That's yeah. the best way to learn stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm getting better as time goes on, you know, slowly. Mm. Just backtracking for a sec as well, before that song, you were talking about being on the DSP. Yes. Um, I don't really know that much about that. Like how, how does it differ from just regular, degular, job seeker, thrown in a bag kind of thing? Um, okay, so I've been on the DSP for a very long time. Back when I started on the DSP, uh, it was less trialsome to get on the DSP. Um, now it's extremely difficult. Um, they're very rigorous about who they consider to be disabled enough. Yeah. For starters. Um, the payment's higher. That's the number one thing. It compensates, I guess, for cost of living disabled yeah I mean aside from that like if you're voluntarily looking for work you generally avoid being hassled a little but as soon as you stop doing that and you're under the age of 35 you may be put on something called a disability support pension participation plan which is uh where they attempt to make you work ready if it is deemed that you are capable of work which most people are Mm. and you must study or volunteer or do whatever you need to do, uh, link up with a job service provider, disability job service provider. Yeah, it's kind of how it goes. Yeah, so you end up looking for work anyway. Because they're just on your ass. It's hard enough to say. I mean, say. they are kind of on your ass, yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough to say. It's a, it's like a mouthful. <laughs> well, the disability support 
pension participation plan. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a rapper, you know, you can, you got the, the vocal dexterity. I can read the yellow leather like nothing else. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so more hoops, more this, more that, more box ticking. There's lots of hoops just to get on the thing. There's a lot of hoops, but then living on it, there's yeah, you got you got to comply with whatever they consider is appropriate for your standard of health, despite the fact that you are, I think, as a requirement of disability support pension, uh, you have to be unable to work for two years or more or something. Right. You know, but. And you say whatever they decide. I feel like some of the major changes that I feel like have made regular Centrelink inaccessible yeah. are things like the introduction of these weird middlemen companies like job service providers that are private yeah, absolutely. and make a profit from activities somehow that they put you in partnerships with work for the dole places all of that kind of stuff and despite there maybe being like some rules or like i'm eligible for this on centrelink these kind of private providers kind of step in and just go nope i got your best interests at heart the place that you want to volunteer at doesn't have fire exits close enough to the door um when when In actuality, legally, Centrelink should allow you to volunteer for anyone that is a a community organisation and B has public liability insurance. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah, there are yeah. the the hidden motivations, these gross little systemic tentacles of I think the, the private privately run kind of system. Absolutely. The thing that gets me is the they get you into a job no matter what thing. Yeah. So, like, as part of the job plan that I had been given uh, before I started work recently, there was this big, I guess, uh, not really disclaimer, more like demand or command that I must apply for jobs whether I feel they are suitable or I like them or not, you know? Like, there's, like, this big thing at the front. It's like, you must apply for jobs, not just the ones you want, but for jobs. And it's like, but what if I get unsustainable work and I bomb out because I get really ill and then I'm back to ground zero, you know, page one, trying to look for a job again, you know, like... Worse than before, potentially, as well. Oh, I have to take four months off because my brain's fallen to pieces, you know? Not only am I burnt out, but my self-esteem is shot to shit and... And I'm, like, flirting with psychosis because I've had a really terrible time, you know? (laughs) Yeah that you know like it's just not good and then my executive dysfunction goes through the roof and the adhd swings in and it's like oh well i guess i'm a failure because i lost another job which is a huge adhd thing i'm sure you understand which is the failure complex thing like you've been told all your life that you're lazy and you just don't do well enough and then you finally have a red hot go and you bomb out and it's just an affirmation that you failed again you know and it was a choice and it was my fault because that's yeah. the narrative around it yeah, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's rough. Yeah, it's it's hard out here. <laughs> <laughs> hard out. Hard out. Hard out here. Um, so you were saying that you did get a job and yeah. we were speaking before the program as well that they were like a lot more understanding in regards to the kind of time that you want to give. Yeah, or... like, it's not that I want to give, it's that I'm capable of giving. Yeah. Well, so, like, hopefully they would align. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean, that's it. 
Um, I guess, like, I've had moments of guilt throughout my life where I go, why am I not capable of working a full-time job? Why can't I just work full-time? I wish I could just work full-time. You know, part of me still has that. Like, where I was just like, yeah, I wish I could work full-time. I wish I could lock down a job, work nine to five, make huge bank, and not need Centrelink. Mm. You know, that would be absolutely, like, fantastic. I'm sure it's very good for your self-esteem being able to do that in some capacity, but also you probably end up hating life and work. My workplace has been thus far fantastically understanding. I lost a friend a week ago. He died and I need some time off work. They've given me that. Um, I'll be back, you know, this week. That's fine. But they gave me a couple of days off and to recuperate and get my mind straight. And they were very kind about that. I've had jobs previously where they've given me heaps of time and I haven't been able to get back because the job's been terrible. Mm. You know, I, I, I lost a friend at my last job too, you know, during that time. And it was really hard. Yeah. Um, and I don't like the idea of bombing another job because someone else in my life has passed away. You know. Yeah. And there's something really to be said for actually like, I mean, you shouldn't have to rely on an individual boss being a good boss. But it helps when they are. It and really they all helps. are. Yeah, yeah, in my job, my workplace, everyone who is directly my superior has been beyond empathetic, kind and helpful and in in the process of me adapting to work again. Cuz mm. I, I you know, I had I hadn't worked for 5 years. I was recuperating and trying to get my stuff straight. Yeah, it means a lot. I guess I'm not trying to necessarily discredit, you know, the work that some people put in or the the basic kindness and decency that some people have. But it's just like hearing you say that as well, like, oh, I wish I could work like a nine to five. All of that is also part of this narrative that you're trying to unlearn as well. Like you can tell yourself, it is totally, you can tell yourself the system's broken till the cows come home, but that doesn't change the guilt factor or, you know, the internalized guilt. That's right. The internalization of the productivity joke, the productivity joke. Yeah. I'm going to call that. It's a joke. Like we don't need, we (laughs) humans shouldn't be measuring their productivity. That's Mm. laughable. No. So that's what I'm, I guess that's where I'm going with that. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. It's a good, it's a good perspective to have and a good reminder to have as well to be like, you know, you can so easily spiral down these rabbit holes of, oh, well, you know, I'm not good enough. I never was good enough. I'm letting people down. I'm letting society down. I'm a $17 billion burden. Yeah, and the then, guilt and shame that comes with a headline oh like that. God. So you come Fucking down hell. all the way to the bottom and then go, oh, well, the system's broken anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it is broken. Yeah, it's it, it's it's egregiously broken. <laughs> I'm happy that you were able to find a space where you could find that kind of kindness and compassion. And also tying back into what I was saying earlier, it's like that – doesn't necessarily exist in a world where people are forced to overexert themselves, to jump through bureaucratic hoops. Like I suspect, I don't know, this is pure speculation, but I suspect that they're able to do that also because as individuals 
they do have the understanding because they are allowed to rest. Yeah. And I guess like my workplace encourages diversity and they have a good team of people who understand mental health issues or have it themselves. Yeah. It's it they 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 encourage individuality as in individual expression and diversity and that sort of thing. And you know, if when I went in for my interview they said like look when I got my call back, they were like, we want to take you on, but we can't take you on immediately because your mental health needs are priority and we don't want to have to tell you that you have to come in or that's it. We want to be able to ease you in slowly. So they gave me a job at a later date, which was a more appropriate time for me to be eased in. That's great. And kind of reminds me that like how important it is to maintain diversity. It's not just a matter of like quotas all the time either. It's not just like, oh, we need, you know, every different colour of person for this ad and we need X, Y and Z amount of queer people or people with disability or anything like that. It's actually like part of the lived real experience of life of... You everybody sh- in it. Yeah, everybody yeah. in it. You should have access to all kinds of people and all kinds of people should have access to spaces. Doesn't that blow your mind when you meet like a really cis, really straight person who doesn't have any disabled friends or like queer or trans friends? Like they like you meet them and you're like, oh, you're like the first trans person I've ever met. And you're like, probably not. But also like, that's whack. <laughs> How have you gone whack through life hell. like that? It's like whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one of the other things that I kind of wanted to bring up today as well ties into that too of like, well, on a on a systemic level, right, the more of those boxes that you tick, the more eligible you might be for a certain service yeah. in theory, but then in the real lived experience of life, it does sometimes feel like, oh, you know, I can't be brown and angry. I can't be, I can't have ADHD and be, you know, like, and be messy, for example. Like, you can't, you can't, like, living in society, it's like, all right, you can, you can have one deviation from the quote unquote norm. There's no intersection. Yeah. So if you, like, break the status quo, it makes you eligible for help. But also, the Achilles heel is that you're breaking the status quo. You'll never be eligible for help as long as you do that. You know, not real help, not tangible, like, liberation, acceptance. Acceptance is a big one. Like, being a part of a public space, like public transport or something like that, it's like there are these certain kind of weird unwritten rules of how you can behave and, you know, you might get stared down or harassed or whatever even if you don't behave in all the right ways but you know if you're loud if you're playing music off your phone if you're all of these things I think so heavily tie into class as well oh, um, absolutely that are just yeah that are just like oh okay they did this thing so now they can't be a part of this public space and I actually don't really care about you know their well-being anymore like it's so so easily shut off in a yeah, part of people's yeah. brains I, and put I, in a box. Yeah, I got things to say about public transport. I avoid that shit like the plague. Like, I, I would rather take the trans woman tax. That is Ubers. That is Didi. Like, there's a tax mm. to being gender non-conforming 
or uh, outwardly trans or you know I'm a big tomboy I roll out in like a baggy shirt and sweatpants and TNs like 80% of the time but if I'm going somewhere and I want to look nice I want to look femme there's the tax bam and it's laid on me straight away you know like there's no hiding c-cup boobs on the tram when you look like a for all other purposes a bit of a boy you know and that makes you a threat yeah to me like I I feel that 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 threatening feeling you know and so <laughs> I'm gonna catch my DD from the inner south all the way to Coburg you know mm. for the house party because it's just safer also, just for listeners, Shai has some face tattoos going on as well, which I'm sure also, like, play into it too. Like, you can't be yeah. more than one thing, right? You can be... I got, like, big cross swords in my throat and a face tattoo and, like, I'm blasted <laughs> all over my hands and arms and my stomach and my chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a cup. I got a bit of coverage. <laughs> Lots of things play into that. Yeah. I look scary, but then people also like to fuck with the scary guy. And then they see that I've... You know, like I said, I've got a chest and that makes me like even more a valid target because I'm a freaky fruit as well. And it all stacks on top. And like, I just, I don't walk down King Street (laughs) ever. (laughs) Like I avoid that place, you know? I mean, especially, and and please cut me off if this isn't something that you want to talk about, but also like if you have feelings of like, or have had feelings in the past of like what's real and what's not, then surely all of this public hostility in certain spaces that aren't for you from something as simple as like they don't have, you know, like a unisex disability bathroom all the way down to like overt transphobia and and violent stuff on the street would trigger all of these kind of like paranoid. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm paranoid. That's half the reason I don't do the public transport thing. Honestly, I'm pretty safe on a Glen Waverley line. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. But, like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to get on that train, like, 80% of the time, unless I've got company. I will not take that train alone, let's be real. If I've got company, I can do it. But, like, right now, nah, like, I would not take that home. I drive everywhere, I DD everywhere, I'm really paranoid. Like you said, the gender-neutral toilets thing, like... If I can't take a piss comfortably, why am I in this venue? You know, like a lot of places are really good for that now, especially in the north, north side, that sort of thing, or even the west side. But like you get into the CBD and you start moving other directions. It's it's just the consideration for like my humanity is not taken necessarily very seriously every time, you know? Yeah. And that, that you're right, that feeds paranoia. It feeds like the idea of, I don't know. It feeds the idea that, like, I'm not a real person that deserves respect. It really makes me angry and, like, just, like, feel so much. Not not just, like, the content of what you're saying, but also the casual way you can just say that, like... Oh, like, like I said, I don't make apologies. I'm pretty real. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, like, but I mean, like, it's that it's that normal and the casual way in which you say you're dehumanized just just says it all. Yeah, it sucks, but you have to learn. I mean, as grim as the next sentence is, you have to learn to live with that because otherwise, you are going to die. You know, and that's really hard. And I know it's like we put a big content warning on this show for heavy conversation and stuff. Mm. But that's like one of the big ones is like. Whether you're disabled, 
whether you're trans, if you don't learn to live with those things in some capacity under late capitalism, late capitalism will kill you, you know, and that's really scary. For me, it's also like a testament to the resilience of people, not that anyone should have to be resilient under under this hostility. It is hostile. But it's a testament. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's a real honour to have you in the studio today. Oh, thank you, Cuddy. <laughs> Would you like to play a track? Yeah, let's play Sick. All right. Because it's sick. Because it's sick. Sick. This is one of the ones from your upcoming album. Yeah, it should sound released. Unreleased. First time we're hearing it. I'm so excited. Yeah, there's like, uh, oh, there's definitely naughty words. It's definitely wordier than the stuff you already heard. Uh, I think it's cool. Hope you like jungle. Hope you like rave. There's a <laughs> rave in it. Hard out. This is Sick by Swanbird. Enjoy. I won't be hanging from a rope like a bell Take a positive spin Pin the tail on the donkey Yeah, that's me feeling grim Filled with sin Put me in the bin I'm the fucking king Oops, I mean queen of the sting I'm a sheen, not a him. Mistakes are made in the same way We make the most of ourselves from day to day Growing into my age, I feel a lifting weight Can't say I'm the same person that was shaped to fail Juxtaposition of black and white, dark and light Love and fights, that shit you can't bite If you tried getting high as a kite My style is sick, sick like my mind Awesome stuff. That was Sick by Swanbird, my special guest in the 3CR studios today. Um, I liked how at the start of the show you were doing the whole like, oh, I'm just a bedroom producer, like being all like (laughs) humble about it. I still am. You still are. Nothing's changed. And you're repping. I'm still a bedroom producer. (laughs) It sounds amazing and it's so, like it's interesting to see your improvement as well from the start. Like you said, Rapping faster, rhyme schemes, and you produce all your stuff as well. Yeah. 
that's pretty much all we've got time for for today. Um, it's just been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Shai, for coming in. No, thank you for hosting me here. It's been really, really lovely. We've, I feel like we've had some some good chit chats. I had a good yarn. Yeah, I feel like we came full circle. We didn't. We didn't. I thought I was gonna do like some self fulfilling prophecy shit with the hard out. Yeah, and we just have to hard out it. Like <laughs> <laughs> we did pretty well though. And, um, yeah, so if listeners like the sound of Shai's music, you can get some of her music at uh, swanbird, one word, dot bandcamp.com. Yep, you got it. And keep your eyes peeled for her upcoming album that will feature the previous track we just played and the one that we'll take you out with today. So you've been listening to 3CR's Disability Day 2022 special broadcast. I hope you like what you've heard over the past 12 hours. And if there's anything that you missed from this year's special broadcast or anything that you heard that made you go, damn, I need to go and listen back to that, you can head to 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2022. Now... To take us out, Shy, what are we listening to? 4.13am. This was the first track I think I made for the new album. And yeah, it's it doesn't really tie in with the theme of the day, but I think it's a heater, so yeah. That's all that matters. Hard <laughs> out. <laughs> Hard out. <laughs> Abstract thought patterns of scattered cannons attacking the intact. Pieces of the mind moving erratic and collapse upon themselves in a display of a brain growing cracked and decaying like rats gnawing on dead cats. Roles reversed in madness. Now I guess we're all the sad sack. Why and what does it mean? Fair questions without context into which to lean. Where lies any answer except to be sought through moonbeams and tea steam? A gleam in the eye of the otherwise unseen. You'll never fathom its keen sight. Deep floats a stream of consciousness. Step forth and you'll fall into dream. What lies beyond any threshold truly? We merely go about crossing them duly. As is our duty to not apply scrutiny to anything that could make us unruly. We're already through the looking glass, bound and living out a dull life's fast when magic is just within reach to harness. But where my blind so cannot cast it, fucking help me, please take my hand and make beauty of nothing. I want nothing more than to be loving and loved in return, gazing upon the world in wonder. Don't succumb to the grown-up lie. We're all only so far in truth from a child who still knows how to cry and wants affection so direly. What's up? Swanee B in the cut. No braggadocious rhymes overflowing my cup Just trying to keep up the loving and all that stuff Kindness goes a long way to making magic real for just a day Don't let the hate societal decay lead you astray Try and see the beauty in 
sublime in something mundane you find and reinvigorate your insides with something sweet to make you feel nice and bright and outshine all the darkness around us with your newfound blaze lead us on with our fiery heart to the best of our years and days You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.